0: Okay, that's enough. Let's listen to this episode. We're back with another episode of The Sacks. I'm your host, Tracy Thomas. And today on the show, I'm talking with Samantha Irby. Samantha is the author of Needy and We Are Never Meeting in Real Life. And her latest book is a collection of comedic essays called Wow, No Thank You. The essays are as hilarious as they are insightful, and we talked today about why Samantha's work is so relatable, how she balances having a private life and writing essays that end up being extremely public, and a whole lot more. As a reminder, you can find everything Samantha and I discussed today in the link in the show notes. Okay, let's go! All right, everybody, I'm here with Samantha Irby. Her newest book is called Wow, No Thank You. Samantha,
1: welcome to The snacks. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited me too, um, me too. to be talking to someone other than the people who live in my house. Yeah, I'm so excited to be talking to you. This is an honor. Okay, I'm going to shut up. No,
0: I mean you, <laughs> could, you could just talk. It's fine. That's what I feel like. I just want to talk to everybody all day. For those yeah. of you at home, we're recording this early April. um, Samantha's book just came out. It's also, we're in the time of coronavirus. So we are both locked down in our homes and she's like the first person I'm speaking to that's not related to me. Uh, (laughs) And it just feels great. It feels like I have a new friend and I need all the friends I can get.
1: Yeah. It's, I mean, it's so weird because like my inclination has been to call people but everyone is still in the pre coronavirus. Like, why are you calling me? Is it an emergency? Oh, and it's really? like, well, no, I know you're home. <laughs> so I'm calling to hear your voice. I mean, like, I, I called like... my sister and she was like, what? And I was like, hi. <laughs>
0: <laughs> i i feel like the opposite i have been scheduling so many phone calls with friends and random friends and i'm facetiming everybody i've ever met i'm like hi
1: how are you what are you doing what are you
0: having for dinner
1: <laughs> see that's because the people in your life are nice everyone in mine, i'm like hey you want to jump on facetime And they're like for what and i'm like well because i haven't seen you in a month and it could be many more months and they're like Mm, text me I'm like okay you can all right anytime try. you
0: want I'm available for FaceTime <laughs> I see I see no adults besides my husband but my husband is in an essential business so he works out of the house a lot and I'm oh, trapped in the god. house with two infant twins so any adult conversation
1: I'm like oh my god did you read
0: the news can you read <laughs> you can speak words you don't just coo and shit your pants I love you yeah
1: tell me about your teeth and your ability to walk yeah. I would love to hear about yeah. all those things these babies cannot do and yeah. don't have can you hold your head up
0: great love you <laughs>
1: Do you know all your colors? Yeah. Cool. Let's talk for three hours while <laughs> these children are asleep.
0: Exactly. Okay, let's actually talk about your book because okay. nobody
1: cares about my baby's lack of color. They do care. Well, they do. I, I do. Well, I, I don't care. Do for me. I <laughs> No, I feel you. If I was trapped with a baby all this time, I would grow quickly bored of uh-huh. all of their yeah. adorable tricks. Yeah. I'd yeah. be like, mm seen that one. Can you roll over
0: yet? Yeah. I'm like, oh, cool. You can kick. Awesome. Thanks. (laughs) Um, Okay. Let's talk about your book. Wow. No, thank you. First of all, Mm -hmm. I just, we always start here, which is basically tell the people about your book in about 30 seconds or less.
1: Okay. It is a book of funny essays and comedy bits about uh, me and my anxiety and my extreme uh, disappointment in life. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, yes, that's all true. Um, it's mm-hmm. very funny. I mean, you're, you're one of the few people that I have ever read who writes funny oh. and it reads funny even when I'm not listening to it or reading it out loud. Like I can hear oh. the jokes <laughs> even in my head. And I think that's so hard. So what I'm curious about is how do you approach writing funny?
1: I think oh so I think <laughs> uh,
0: like, I know that's like I'm a like, really like, huge like,
1: question but like, what do, what yeah. do I do? Um so I think when I'm writing it's really and sometimes this comes across this becomes very evident to me when i record the audiobook that i write in a very stream of consciousness mm. style um that should be better punctuated so that i can breathe in the right parts um but it truly is just like you know my brain kind of unspooling itself on the page and i always just try to make myself laugh I'm like what is the most absurd piece of this thing I want to say or what are the absurd angles I could take on this and how can I write about them while also making myself laugh so I usually just I have an idea for a thing I come up with the ending first like I always know how it's going to end. Mm. Like, but I will, I cannot write a thing if I don't know where it's going. Mm. I had a couple of things that I started for this book and I couldn't figure out how to wrap them up or what I wanted to say. So they didn't make it in. And then we'll see if I'm still interested in them or if anyone wants to buy them <laughs> in, the, in the next collection if I can figure it out. But usually it's just like, I have an idea. I know where I want it to go. And then I just kind of like let everything out on the page.
0: Well, that's such an interesting idea. I'm curious, then how do you sell a book of essays? Do you sell like four essays and then say, I'll fill in the rest? Or do you have to pitch all of the essays? Or how
1: does that work? Well, so with my last original book, we're never meeting in real life. I I had put out a book. I put out my first book, Meaty, on an indie press, um, you know that sold like thirteen copies. Or no, actually, it did, I shouldn't sell myself short. It did pretty well considering that it was like done on a small regional press. And my agent found that book and like reached out to me because I didn't have an agent or anything when I did that, and was like, "Hey, I love this. Have you thought about doing it?" um, again on a big publisher. And I was like, absolutely not. Uh, but then <laughs> he like talked, like he convinced me to do it again. So we had kind of that book as an example. And I wrote four, I wrote a full like detailed outline, like 12, 15 potential like essays or pieces. And then I wrote four of them. Like, I had four fully fleshed out. This is my style. Like, this is variations on my style. This is what I want to do. This is what the rest of these would be like. Went to my agent? Like, put everything together. He tightened them up. Um, he wrote, like, a cover letter and then sent those out to editors. And then he just waited for their feedback. And there was, like, kind of a little auction, I think. We had mm. a few places that were interested. Yeah, it was pretty... It was pretty exciting. Uh, we had a few places that were interested. And then we, frankly, we went with the one where I I loved, I loved everyone that I talked to. Like I, anybody who's excited about me, I'm excited about them. Yes. So I was like, yes, I love you. And then the next call, I was like, oh my God, I love you too. <laughs> so we ultimately <laughs> went with the place that was offering the most money, of course. Um, and... And then I, then that book came. I wrote the rest of the book, and then it came out. So for this one, we didn't. I didn't have to do much because that one sold really well, mm-hmm. and like they were like, "Okay, uh, stay with us, please. <laughs> uh, we'll. This is the amount of money we'll give you. Just give us an idea of maybe what you would do." And I because i'm a troll was like what if we just gave him a paper that was like same old soup just reheated and my agent is like uh no this is a professional business you have to write some shit down so (laughs) i did did another um like perspective outline but it was really like because my first two books were like a lot of it was like summarizing the past or drawing things from the past. And this one was going to be like, okay, this is where I'm at now. These are things that are happening or could happen or whatever. So I I wrote this outline that was like, okay, here are some things that I think are going to happen. Some ideas that I'd like to get into. Like I knew I was moving, to Michigan. I might've already lived in Michigan, but I was like, you know, I live in this house. I don't know how to take care of. I'll write about that. And um, I, you know, what else? Like I live with these kids. uh, I've never done that before. I'll probably write about that. So it it was definitely more elegant than that. And so I turned in the outline and they were like, great. Yeah, let's do it again. So the book that I ended up writing Deviated very far from the outline I turned in. Because at the time, I d- didn't have the shrill job. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I didn't know I was going to be writing about working on a TV show. Right. I hadn't yet had my awkward friend lunch, uh, like trying to make new friends in town. Right. Right. Um, I'm like, we didn't have the new cat yet. So all of these things happen, and I was like, okay, I'm going to write about that. Okay, that would be good in the book. All right, I'm going to write about that. So then some of the other things I pitched, I was like, well, that'll go on the back burner. I want to write about these things. Right. And they're, like, my publisher is very cool. They are, you know, they're just, my editor is just like, oh, yeah, whatever, dude, whatever you want to do, just make sure it's <laughs> turned in by this day. And it wasn't. But she she trusted me (laughs) and I turned, you know, some good stuff in after the date. I feel like if it's good and funny, I could make up for being a little tardy. Um, but yeah, that was a very long way of explaining that I write these outlines that I mean, I never look at them again, Uh which is also, I'm like, what did I say I was going to do? Who cares? I'm doing this. So I might like go back and look at them if we pitch another book and see if there's anything to cull from those that I didn't work on I do remember in in pitching this last book I was like you know I really want to like get into I want to see a psychic and get into crystals Mm. and (laughs) go to a sound bath and like get my yoni steamed like all that woo woo kind of shit yeah you sound like you're uh, (laughs) living
0: in LA like me
1: so LA I wanted to, do, I did some of that stuff when I was in LA working on Trill, but right. I didn't, I didn't get to all of it. Um, so then I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to half, half acid. I don't want to half Yoni it. I want to really, I, if I write about it, I really want to do it. Um, so like that one, that one got moved to the back burner, but right. basically I just am like, here are some things I'm thinking about. Uh, what say you do you want to write me a chat <laughs> and, then, and like last time they said yes i imagine if we do this again it'll be more of the same i have some ideas percolating some things that like my editor was like you know this book doesn't have uh as much sex in it and i was like yeah bitch i'm 40 years old there's not as much sex in my <laughs> life like what are you talking have you not hit that wall yet so i do <laughs> want to write about i want to maybe write some sexy stuff and some other stuff that we didn't we didn't get to uh, and yeah i'll just i mean maybe this time i can write uh more of the same with a question mark and turn it in rather yeah. than writing an outline
0: <laughs> yeah i feel like your agent can just like cool it I feel like you've proven yourself <laughs> like let's not make I claims. mean
1: I think you know I think I don't know what I could get away with but I feel like we should at least try yeah just as a joke like I'll write one I'll write a full outline you know like full paragraphs with what I intend to do but first let's just like send him a sheet of paper that's like uh more of this what do you think yeah, and then if they're like um you guys this is this is this is penguin random house like this isn't like joe's books um and then we'll give them the real one but i don't know people don't people don't like to play as much as i like to play cuz this is serious business so but we'll see i might try it you should definitely try like, it
0: and just see cuz <laughs> if it works then you know you never have to write an outline again <laughs> Like if you get away with it, you know that your life just got that much easier.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think they know at this point, like when you do a thing like, you know, personal, I hate the term personal essays, but when you do a thing like personal essays, they're just, I mean, it's not like I can really deviate from the form too much. Like I do like to play around with like the style and like writing lists and that kind of thing. But, um, I mean, it's not going to stray too far from that. I'm not going to be writing, like, speculative fiction. Do you think you would ever... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go
0: ahead. I'm just curious if you think you'd ever write anything that wasn't essays, like maybe something more like a memoir, or do you think that this is just your kind of your sweet spot and you like to live in this world? Obviously, you write for TV, but, like, your books.
1: I think that... I I don't think I would not do this because it has been, it has worked. (laughs) And I am a big fan of, like, why why reinvent the wheel if I have, like, a, you know, if I have a scam that's paying off, (laughs) then (laughs) why rock the boat? But I do have, like, a couple chapters of a novel I've been Mm. like play I know playing with for some time but the gag is that I cannot decide on you know how you need to have like two major conflicts I can't decide on the second conflict so basically the ending and so I keep setting it aside because I'm like I don't know I don't know. I don't know where that's going and I can't write until I know where it's going. Oh, but know. so, so if I ever figure it out, I, what I truly need to do is like find a freelance editor or like a writing coach or something mm-hmm. and like pay them to work it out with me. And so maybe I'll do, maybe I'll do that. Cause I, as soon as like we went on lockdown, I was like, you know what I should do start thinking about that (laughs) novel again right but like who no one wants to read my like oh I was cooped up so I you know I decided to dust this old thing off but (laughs) I will we'll see how desperate it gets around here I might do it
0: wasn't there that horrible tweet going around that was like William Shakespeare wrote King Lear while he was on lockdown oh
1: my god First of all, can you imagine, I mean, one, ever giving anyone any advice at any time? But two, (laughs) like, giving, like, that very specific kind of shamey, uh, you should be doing this, like, shouting that into the void. I do not understand. Wow. I do not understand. (laughs) Yes. See, it works for everything. I do not understand the impulse truly to tell anyone to do anything but especially not right now like come on did Shakespeare have Netflix no okay I'm gonna watch Ozark you be over there working on King Lear I'm gonna fucking watch TV yeah
0: (laughs) it's true this has become such like a weird shamey time like in this passive aggressive way, not like it's not so much the, you know, like calling out people. It's more like, oh, you didn't work on your novel today. Like, no, motherfucker, I didn't. <laughs> and you it can't also... even come tell me that because I'm on lockdown and so are you. So stay in your right. house and leave me alone.
1: Right. If I, I am averse to, to any of that, any telling anyone anything, especially when you are not an expert, but like, if there were ever anyone who said something like that and proved that they had done it, then I'd maybe listen. Right. Right. Like if you show me the 200 pages of your manuscript that you worked on today, then maybe I'll follow your advice or like heed your, uh, you know, listen to your criticism about what I'm doing. But it's always someone like who, who doesn't have shit yeah. to go for it telling you what to do or if they do have if they have accomplished something they never tell you like the way that they got there like if i was gonna tell someone to write a book right now i'd be like you know how i did it i quit living in a big i quit my job i stopped living in a big city i moved to a smaller town that costs less and got married to a person who has health insurance uh and could afford for me to maybe not make any money, and then I watched TV a lot, and then wrote in a panic at two in the morning. Yeah. And it's like, if you were ever transparent about what it takes, then you can tell people what to do. Right. But even I, with my transparency, wouldn't. I would never tell anyone to do that. Move to a town with no Thai food? No way. <laughs> but that's what I had to do. That's what I had to do. kalamazoo sounds terrible (laughs) it's so cute it's very cute there are two universities and it's like progressive but if you are a fan of international cuisine there's good indian food good mediterranean food okay but like mm, ain't no thai food no Filipino food, mm. no Laotian food. You know, like mm-hmm. all the stuff you just take for granted. Right. Like living in a big city, it's right. like no, none of that, Ugh. none of that. That's but you can bad. get like craft cocktails, and there are lots of breweries. Okay. So I don't want to. Ha- I don't want to hate <laughs> on it, but that the sacrifice that I made was like delicious larb from Ugh. a restaurant. So good.
0: So good. <laughs> <laughs> I- I I, I don't know if I could do it, but you're a better person than me, obviously. It's
1: hard. But you have a book
0: now. You have books out in the world because of it. So it's a trade-off for sure. Yes. Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should be at least simple. That's why for the last three plus years, I have been drinking AG1 every day, no exceptions. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day. And it makes me feel nourished and strong enough to tackle Does your wife and or her children or your family or anybody, how do they feel about you writing super personal stuff that includes them? Are they totally down? or Are they sometimes like, can you actually not do that?
1: <laughs> well, the her kids, because they are not mine, I don't go into detail about anything they do or say. And it's a shame because they are <laughs> funny and bad and their fights are hilarious i mean i really i'm obsessed with like sibling dynamics because i have sisters but they're like 20 17 and 15 years older than i am so it's not like really having having sisters it's like having four moms so (laughs) they the fights they get into i'm like man i really are like listening to them talk to each other when they don't know you're listening is like really hilarious you're gonna sign that with your twins and you're going to, it's so good. It's so good. So like there are, there are times when I'm like, Oh, I wish I could write this down. But my biggest nightmare is like 10 years from now, one of them coming to me and being like, Hey, that time you wrote about, you know, fill in the blank, uh, really destroyed my childhood. And I wish, I wish you hadn't chronicled that for the whole world so I, if you ask them, they'd be like, yes, I'd like her to write in excruciating detail everything I do and say that's like charming or funny or interesting. But I don't, cause they're, I can't make that choice for them to be public people. Like right. it can't be on me. Like they are, I don't post them online or anything. Like they have parents for that who can do that. Mm-hmm. I don't ever want that to be me. My wife, whose privacy I destroy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, every day, knew what she was getting into. She <laughs> reached out to me after she read uh, my first book and told me how much she loved it. I'm like, that book is like disgusting and exposes all of my secrets. There's no way you can read that and be like, mm hmm, sweetie. You're not allowed to. No, no. She knew. Right, she knew. She knew what she was getting into. So I do give her the courtesy. Honestly, you know, the thing she has a problem with the most is when I, uh like, when I, for comedic effect, like, to make her more hippy-dippy mm. than she actually is when I'm like, you know, she fills the car with granola. She does. But she'll read that and be like, you know, I don't make my own kombucha, and I'm like, well, you used to, Uh, and it's funnier (laughs) to say that you do. So that's that's going in. But I do give her when I write about her. I don't. I try not to let anyone read anything I've written before I turn it in to the editor because it really like gets in any sort of critique or criticism. Like, kind of clouds my like. I can't forget it. but I do when I mention her, I, I am like here you can you can read this. Don't tell me what you think. Just tell me if uh there's a representation of you that feels too untrue. Right. And so that that's our that's we we have struck a balance. I don't think she's ever asked me to change anything though. Right. She'll, She'll be like, I, w- I do not wear overalls that much. And I'm like, actually, <laughs> you do. <laughs> oh, my.
0: <laughs> I'm trying to get more into overalls. So maybe <laughs> she and I need to sit down and have a talk about
1: uh, overalls. You should. She has been wearing, she just got a new pair of Dickies overalls okay. and uh, they're. I mean, they're very cute. She was in the garden the other day wearing them. And I was like, you know, this is like a horror movie. (laughs) Looking out, watching her in her overalls and like garden shoes. Because like she has special, you know, rinsable clogs for gardening. I'm like, I don't know how this is my life. But (laughs) those those overalls are cute.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Do you ever find that for yourself? Do you ever get... Self conscious or embarrassed or nervous before you publish something where you know you've talked like in detail because you get really, you know, personal, which I think is what makes people really connect to you and relate to you, is that it's kind of like no holds barred. But <laughs> do you ever feel like when you're writing it, I definitely shouldn't be saying this or like this is TMI or does that ever cross your mind or is, are you just like I'm an open book and this is me?
1: Sometimes. Well, there's nothing I put or I would put in a book that I that I would be like <laughs> that I wouldn't put on the news okay. right cuz when you write a book like when you write a book especially like once I started like once I started publishing at vintage and like I know this book is going everywhere and then I got like an international deal and yes there are people like on other continents reading this book right. it's like People, like I know people are going to ask, so if I put it in a book, it's something I have already processed that I wouldn't mind talking about in front of an audience, because who wants to talk to the author who's like, put all their secrets in the book, and then you're like, so what about, and they're like, oh, I don't talk about that. Right. Well, right. bitch, are you fucking kidding? Then you shouldn't have written it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there, I would never write about something that I would not want to talk about ad nauseum because that's what you do. The book comes out and then you talk about it and talk about it and talk about it. And then, you know, finally you can stop talking about it. Right. <laughs> but then like everything's, you know, everyone knows everything. But sometimes I, I think because if I ever got any feet feedback that was like, I mean, first thing, like my parents are dead. So there's no like family pressure to like keep all the, like, there's no, you're going to embarrass us or I don't have any of that kind of pressure. And then if I ever had feedback that wasn't largely positive, if I wasn't getting feedback from people that was like, thank you for talking about this. I relate to this. I have IBS or my period is weird, or I've been dumped you know, 700 times just like you have or or whatever it is. If I wasn't getting feedback from people who were like, thank you for doing this. I related to this. This made me like, t- I am always trying to take myself less and less seriously because mm-hmm. like that's where like when the depression is really bad when it's like, oh God, I can't what's on the other side of this. It's like, if I can laugh at it, then I can start kind of like mm. pulling myself out of it. So ultimately I think like telling people about all my stuff is like the great equalizer. And I think it comes from a place of this is just now coming to me. So if it's not, if I'm not saying it as eloquently as possible, please forgive me. But like, I, It took me a while, I think well into adulthood, to understand that what you see is not always what it is, meaning, like, I was comparing myself and my struggles to people who had advantages I didn't have that they didn't talk about, Mm. right? So, like, I had to drop out of college because, like, my parents died, but also there was nowhere for me to go on summer break, and I didn't have the money and I needed to just work and start building Mm. my life as an adult. And it's like, I can't feel bad about my friends whose parents like paid for them to go to Yale. I'm not mad at them, but I also can't compare myself to them. And so I think when I got to the point where I was like, Oh, people have all sorts of secret advantages. Like people, many people I know are living in houses that their parents bought or that their parents at least helped for the down Mm -hmm. payment with. And I don't begrudge them any of that, but I'm not going to be feeling bad comparing my hard scrabble, you know, whatever I was able to like pull together out of the trash can to, to their lives. And so I think one of the things I try to do in my work is to be like, okay, so this may be the image that you have that I'm funny and put together, but like, Uh, look at this like anxiety spiral that i'm constantly in or like yes we have a house but it's falling apart and i don't know how to take care of it or you know like or Mm -hmm. and like this is what it's worth (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know because like no one on instagram is like this uh house in the sticks cost a hundred and five thousand dollars but i'll say that so that you don't feel bad about your house, I think for me, it's like the greatest connector between me and people has been just being like, "Look that I'm struggling too, and here are the exact ways, and don't ever be fooled by right. like what you what you see so to go all the way back to your question that you asked two hours ago (laughs) while I was rambling since I've rambled um it even if it's uncomfortable like in this book I read about uh how the IRS came down on me because I didn't understand that I needed to pay freelance taxes right um I that is not like a hilarious thing to one have happened to you, or no. two, to admit to people that you're like, you know, I was 38 before I discovered like what a 1099 really is. Right, <laughs> but, right. And, and that like the government dips into my bank account every month because like I didn't understand a fundamental part of being an adult, like a self-employed adult. Um, but it's like Someone somewhere is reading that being and either being like, Okay, I need to learn how to pay my freelance taxes, yep. or is being like, Oh, look, they this this happened to me too. I can relate to this person. I feel like there are there are far more people who Like if we are just honest about the little ways in which we are struggling, I think and it's so like hacky to talk about like social media or whatever, but we do get a front row seat to the things people want to show us. And that's great. I love I love a curated, like, you know, beautiful feed as much as the next person. But I feel like for me, it's important to be like, okay, just out of frame is a pile of bills that I forgot to pay. And that's why like my credit score was 200. You know? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I don't even think everyone has to do that. Like, I don't care what other people do, but for me, it feels like important. And I have always got, like even before I was writing, I've always been the kind of person who's been like, you know, this car I'm driving costs $600. So please don't judge that it doesn't have any heat or, or whatever yeah. the thing was. I was always like very transparent about like, this is how I'm struggling do with that information <laughs> what right. you will. right? But like, but just know like who you're, who and what you're dealing with.
0: Yeah. I think, I do think that is why so many people can connect with you. I think that that transparency, like you feel you feel like a friend or maybe not a friend, but a teacher or a, a sibling or something. There's a connection in your honesty yeah. because so few people are honest and open about the things that are kind of embarrassing or awkward Yeah, or feel stupid in the moment. And then you realize, oh, nobody's doing this right. You know, like Samantha <laughs> yeah. Irby's not doing this right. I'm not doing this right. Turns out this is an yeah. impossible task. So I do think that you're definitely on to something with that. I want to talk about the title and the cover of this book and all of your books, because Mm -hmm. I know that you did Meaty and it was with another publisher. But then when it came out again with Vintage, it was kind of it all they all match the three of Mm -hmm. them now. How did Mm -hmm. that how does how does that come to be for you?
1: Well, this is gonna be the most disappointing of all my answers. I I mean, depending on depending (laughs) on Uh, your standards for disappointment, but I uh, have very little to do with that here in all transparency. I wish that i had i could say that I like called up the editor and said, "You know what I would like um, I think it should be bright yellow, and I think <laughs> there should be a cat on it, and this should be the typeface uh uh-uh. uh they had a they have an art director and a designer who um, they sent, uh, so we're never meeting was my first book with vintage. And my editor at the time was this woman named Andrea, who I really loved. Um, but then she, what is she doing now? She quit to be a writer. Oh. So I was sad to lose her, but, but I'm happy to read whatever she's going to put out in the world anyway. So the, the designer and the art director sent the cover to Andrea and Andrea's like, Hey, this is a cover. We really like it. What do you think? And I initially was like, I don't know, ma'am. Like, is that really <laughs> like, I was like, Oh my God, are people going to think like I'm a weird cat lady mm-hmm. or like, do, is it, I mean, does it vibe with the stuff I've said, but also I'm very good at, um, taking a backseat and admitting what I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm like, the publisher has like people who salespeople and many executives and they, they watch trends and they know what sells, you know, I don't know any of that shit. So I was like, okay, you think like everybody voted and yellow cover with the slimy cat was the, was the decision. Great. So then when they got meaty, I was vote I voted for um a, a like a different because the original meaty has a kind of wild looking chicken on mm-hmm. the cover and I voted for another chicken and so we saw some mock-ups and there was like and because the first cat was a baby they did a a chick and then there was the baby hedgehog and I'm not sure if there was another one but like of the options the hedgehog looked like the cutest and like they made its little face mad like if you look really closely all the animals like look kind of like disgruntled right um and then when there's two like that what are we gonna like break the break right. the theme so they sent this one and they sent a green cover with the bunny a kind of electric blue cover with the bunny and then a green cover with the dog with a pug puppy and a blue one with a pug puppy And we decided that like this kind of like sad, angry bunny was the way. (laughs) So none of it, I I wish there are no artistic bones in my body. I wish I could say that I had anything to do with it other than being like, I think that one and then them patting me on the head and being like, oh, whatever, we're going to pick what we're picking. Right, right. Like, like, Nice try. You, okay. Yeah. You are responsible for what's on the inside and will take care of what's on the outside. Right. Um, and as for the title, so I wanted to call We're Never Meeting in Real Life. I wanted to call that book Everything is Garbage. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I was like, you know, my audience like will get this. They know. But the editor was like, no, I think that's like... Too negative and will scare people off. And again, I concede to the expert. So I was like, okay, girl, whatever. So then she came up with a bunch of titles. And like, we are never meeting in real life was one that she came up with. And I was like, I don't know that there's anything in the book that really speaks to that title, but why don't I write you? Like, why don't mm. I write something like, and then it was, that was fun for me because I all I need is an ending. So I just had to think like, how do we get to, we're never meeting in real life. And I was like, okay, I'm going to write about being an anxious person who would rather talk to a thousand people on the phone than meet 10 people, right. <laughs> and, you know, at any sort of gathering. So that was that one. And then with this one, I learned early not to have my heart set on a title. So we pitched it without a title. And then my new editor and I, who she had worked on the re-release of Meaty. So we already like had a good relationship. And she, her idea, which I thought was really dope, was she was like, I'm going, as I'm reading each essay, I'm going to pull out phrases that I think would make good titles. And so she sent me a list, and there was one at some point in here I have written, I I had written, wow, sir, no thank you. Mm -hmm. And she pulled that out, and I was like, oh, that's great. We took out the, sir, because I don't, you know, I don't need, if men are going to buy this book, then great, let them buy it. And then once they read it, they'll see that they were tricked into (laughs) buying uh, a (laughs) man-hating lesbian book or whatever. (laughs) So... We took the sir out of the title and then it just and again like she even if she and I love it you know there are other people executive editors and there are sales people and like there there's a whole hierarchy of people who like have to like that book that title and want to sell it and want to like you know, work hard to get it out there. So it kind of, it has to like feel like a group effort, but everyone loved the title. So we went, we went with it.
0: I love that. Okay. I have some questions for you about how you write or the the space that you create for yourself. So my favorite question and the most important question that I ask every author on this show is what are your go-to writing snacks and beverages?
1: Oh my God. Well, beverage number one, diet coke yeah i don't know what sort of crack cocaine they put in there <laughs> but it is it's so good i don't even want a regular coke no. ever anymore i Never. mean it's there is nothing oh and my okay if we really want to get uh super insane about it my
0: <laughs> we
1: definitely <laughs> i do. like to get i like to get the um Tiny. I think they're called like the sip cans. Yes, they're like half size. I
0: have some in my home currently. Oh my Very important okay, coronavirus you know. quarantine beverage. Had one for yes. lunch today with my craft oh my macaroni God. and cheese. Don't mind oh my me. God.
1: <laughs> it's so good. And those little sippy cans are like just the right amount to stay cold mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. entire mm-hmm, time. Mm-hmm. So I find sometimes with the big like I just want it to. Truly, like feel like I swallowed lightning. Like I just want it to be cold and like yeah. very crackly <laughs> against my throat. And so those little cans are like the perfect amount for it to be cold and like cause you to seize uh, seize up. Yeah, because it's so like sharp. It's like swallowing knives. So that's my beverage and my snacks. So sadly. I just had to, like, I didn't have to, but I decided to go gluten-free, which is a thing. I i don't have celiac disease because, um, you know, we tested for that with right. all my uh, my IBS stuff. But I had this nutritionist who was like, you know, just try it. Some people have gluten sensitivities, Mm. which you don't find until like you eliminate them. So I was like, okay, you whack job, (laughs) I'll try it. And then I did it. And like, my guts were like, yay. It was Mm. like, even like eating cheese or milk, because she was like, sometimes a gluten sensitivity will make a lactose, like will create a lactose sensitivity, please. Everyone, I'm not a doctor. I don't even know if this lady is a doctor. Don't This is not medical advice. This is just something I'm doing. But I stopped eating gluten. And so that was very like sad. So I I switched to, I eat these things. I used to eat pretzels. Okay. I'm like peanut, bro- peanut butter pretzels. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, But now I eat these crackers called nut fins. And they are just like salty. They're little discs that are like made of nuts. They're very crunchy and they're very salty and delicious. Also, I really love Terra chips. Those oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The, like, you, like the beet, like, sweet potato.
0: Yeah. The beet, that, beets and sweets is delish. Oh my God.
1: I had, a, I had some of the Mediterranean time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. earlier. So good. And my other gluten-free snack. So the thing about going gluten-free is you have to kind of like erase from your memory what actual like cookies and shit is supposed uh, to taste like. Yeah. Otherwise you'll just be disappointed. Mm-hmm. Like it's like, this is good for a gluten-free, you know, for yeah, like something yeah, yeah, made yeah. of rice flour. So the tastes gluten-free, both the chocolate chip and the oatmeal raisin are incredible. They're super thin and they're very crispy. And I'm usually not like a crispy cookie person, but these, they're so damn good. They are (laughs) very, very good. So Tate's, uh, Tara's, and Nutthins. Those are my three. And
0: then when you're writing, are you able to like listen to music? And what sort of stuff were you personally reading or watching or listening to? while you were kind of making this book happen? What was in your cultural lexicon, Uh, if you
1: will? I listen only to slow, depressing music when I'm writing. I like to put one sad song on repeat in in my headphones so (laughs) that it becomes, okay, so it can't be upbeat because then I'll like sing and dance. Right, sure, of course. And... If the song changes, then my brain is like, what's this song? I see. What's this song? I have to create like a wall of sound. Is that per for... essay or is
0: that for the whole book?
1: No, it's per, like per essay or per, or even per writing session. Got it. Like okay. if I'm like sitting down tonight to write something, I'm going to put on uh, the national before today and like just put that on repeat. Um, until I close the laptop, and then it's like another. I make a playlist of like sad songs. I have a playlist called like dudes to cry to, which is one that I I write, I write to a lot. Um, so What's on I, that,
0: give us like two or three. Oh that my god,
1: one. Moses Sumney, like anything of his. There's James Blake. Okay. I love a lot of James. Like Radiohead. Okay, Radiohead has very good like. Uh, There's a song, a Radiohead song called Go Slowly. I was just listening to it earlier today on repeat. Tom York does that like whining, like Mm -hmm. keening kind of sound Mm -hmm. that is very soothing. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's, I mean, look for it on Spotify. It's, I think it's public. Yeah, it's public. I'll link to this and everything else in the show. Oh my God. Okay, great. Right, so everyone should be weeping along yes. with me. Yes. So if I'm listening to music, that's it. If I like have the iPad on, because uh, I like to have you know kind of a picture-in-picture laptop and iPad situation. Okay. I one of my go-tos. This book was Top Chef. Okay. Specifically, the Boston season. Okay. I watched a lot of that just on repeat. Top Chef is very soothing to me. Hmm. Um And two movies, Gone Girl. Yeah, I watched Gone Girl a lot. I love the book. Yes, love the book. Reread it regularly. Love the book. Um, And uh, the Social Network. My husband
0: was literally just watching that before I kicked him out of the room to talk to
1: you. He has incredible taste. (laughs) I think they're both like Fincher, like dark. Yeah ominous. They don't have music that gets in the way. I love a talkie movie. I love a Sorkin, talkie, yeah. talkie, 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 kind of like a few good men. I could watch that on a loop, like just walking and talking. That's my that's my thing. So those two. Um, and I like to read fiction okay. when I'm writing. I cannot, and in general, I, I skew much more toward fiction than other things. But if I read someone else's essays, I find myself either feeling intimidated, like (laughs) what I do is not as good as what this person does. I should stop. Or I find myself like mimicking their voice a little, or like if they have bits or jokes, I'll find that in my, like I'll I'll reread my stuff and be like, okay, I got to stop reading our Eric Thomas Right. uh while I am working on this because I am sounding like him and right. I don't I don't want to. This needs to sound like me. Um and so I read with this book I there's this writer that I'm obsessed with named Louisa Luna and mm-hmm. she has written these two she's written tons of books, but the two books I'm obsessed with are Two Girls Down and the sequel to that book called The Janes. They are, I love uh, thriller, mystery, crime, procedural, like anything in that vein, like that kind of propulsive mm-hmm. courtroom draw, like give it all to me. Um, and those two books I read while I was writing because it truly is an escape, but they're also so well-written. The protagonist is like the... Uh, she's not a detective, she's a private investigator, um, is a woman, and she's like a bad bitch, and then she teams up with this kind of sad sack ex-detective who's like charming, and you just want to hug him. I mean, it really like flips all my buttons for what I want in a book. I want a like, will they or won't they situation. I want a horrific crime. Mm. <laughs> want someone to solve that crime. Yeah. So she, I, her books were a great comfort to me while I was like, you know, when like I hit the point where I was like, okay, I'm going to throw this laptop in right. the garbage. I have to read someone else's words right. or right. I will die.
0: Okay. That's good. I like, I'm, I am not, that's not at all what I read, but in this like, weird covid time where I'm, I'm not reading anything that I normally read and I'm reading uh-huh. everything the opposite. And I was reading a thriller that I was kind of into and I've been reading
1: YA that I've been into and romance. Oh yeah. Which is oh, like- I love, I mean, okay. Can I add one more of course. for you personally, but okay. other people, if they want, I don't know if you have read Mary HK Choi's emergency contact
0: I have not but but you're the second or third person to specifically tell me to (sighs) read her so I'm going to
1: I love her she writes in a way that she is like so real like my fear with YA is always like you know do, do I sound like I am imitating a cool teen? You know? <laughs> like, right, right. That's very, who? No one wants that. I'm right. Like, who? Who would ever want to do that? And she writes. Uh, she writes young people. Both of her books. I just reread Permanent Record. Mm. She writes in a way that ju- it feels so authentic. But Emergency Contact was so. I mean, it is so great. So you should read. Okay, I'm if you're to. on a YA, it's YA and romance okay. together. Okay, I can't wait. What what's not to love? It's so good. It's okay. so good.
0: Oh my god, I'm so excited. So I read Anna K, which is by Jenny Lee, and it's the modern retelling of Anna Karenina, which I've not read. And oh my it's god. like Gossip Girl, New York. Teenage, you know, teenagers, but it's this retelling, it. and it was so good, and it's YA, and I'm obsessed with the book now. I think about it all the time. I started rewatching Gossip Girl. I just am like obsessed. So that sounds very exciting to me. I'm gonna check it out. Um, I have two more questions for you. One, yeah. one is what is a word that you can never spell correctly on the first try?
1: Oh, recommendation.
0: That's my word. <laughs> Oh my god! Anything with recommend, recommendation, recommending—I yeah. don't know I have how to many.
1: Think about it.
0: No, I can. I, I
1: have to think about it all the time. I'm like two C's, one C, one C, two M's. Not how, sure. What, what, how, what do I do? I could never know. I just had to like do the triple check while sending an email. And I was like, it would give me a red line if I was wrong, wouldn't it? And yeah. I stared at it for like 10 minutes. Oh my
0: gosh, same word. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's my last question for you. I okay. kind of did this, but just for people who really love, wow, no thank you. They've read Meaty, they've read all your stuff. What mm-hmm. are some other books that you might recommend to them that are maybe in a similar vein or in conversation with or things you think that they might enjoy?
1: Okay. Well, I just mentioned him, but here for it, yes. by are Eric Thomas. I am obsessed with him. I'm obsessed with his L column. He writes a newsletter Yeah, that is so funny. He is so funny. Even like, like sometimes I'll message him on Twitter and he is, oh God, he's so funny. Um, I Can't Date Jesus by yes. Michael Arsenault. Oh my, gosh. oh, my gosh. He has a new book coming yep. out next, next week. week. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I mean, Michael is truly like, I don't know. I just, we have gone from like, I, I shouldn't say we. I have gone from like breathlessly following him on Twitter to like clawing my way into a friendship with him he is he's so good and he's so good at like analysis and journalist i also am like extremely intrigued and impressed by people who can um oscillate between like real journalism mm-hmm. and writing about themselves I can't if I do like I wrote a thing for Time magazine about Lizzo mm-hmm. and when they asked me to do it I was like you know I don't do journalism right <laughs> and they were like yeah that's what we want you can write it in your style and I was like okay cuz otherwise I would have turned it down like I right. do not know how to do that so with or at least do it without being really snarky and personal which may as well be first person Mm -hmm. so him anything Michael Arsenault he is incredible I'm trying to think what else is
0: those are literally I'm currently reading the new Michael Arsenault and my next read is the R. Eric Thomas which is oh good I'm in a I'm in I'm in that zone right now
1: good those were two that I read as soon as I finished mine because I couldn't read them like, during. I couldn't, yeah I couldn't read them during and uh, so as soon as I was done I was like okay my two boyfriends are up <laughs> next and they're so I mean they're so funny and good. They're both black gay men but they're it, like extremely they're extremely different like Michael is from Houston yeah. and our Eric is from I think he's from the East Coast. I don't want to mess up the city so I'm just going to say East Coast but like <laughs> Those are two books that I think like would be – if I was going to put a care package of um, essayists who think they're funny uh, <laughs> together, it would be my, my book, Eric's, and Michael's for sure. Amazing.
0: Well, Samantha, thank you so much for being here. I, I'm so thank grateful you so to you me. for joining oh, us. Of course. And everybody at home – her newest book is called, Wow, No Thank You. It's a collection of essays. You can get it wherever you get books. I encourage you to support your local independent bookstore, but you can get it anywhere you got your books. And thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was great. And we will see you guys in the stacks. Thank you all so much for listening. And thank you to Samantha for being my guest and to Angelina Venezia for helping coordinate this interview. Remember, The Stacks Book Club is reading Trust Exercise by Susan Choi in April, and we will be discussing the book with Brandon Taylor on our episode on April 29th. Find everything we discussed on today's show in the link in the show notes. For more from The Stacks, follow us on social media, at thestackspod on Instagram and at thestackspod underscore on Twitter, and check out our website, thestackspodcast.com. Make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening through Apple Podcasts, please, please, please take a moment to rate and review this show. Our graphic designer is Robin McCrite, and our theme music is from Tigirages. This show was created and produced by me, Tracy Thomas, and I will see you in the stacks.